You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hi. Hey, Chris. So it's been a little while since we've done a mini water cooler. I was at CinemaCon all of last week, and uh, yeah, it's just been a little bit. So let's just, uh, you know... The world is terrible, Chris. It's a terrible place. Terrible. It sure is. Boy, uh, oh boy. <laughs> let's use this as an opportunity to just like maybe recommend some things that uh, that we've been watching, or at least talk about some stuff that we've been watching. So, um, I watched the new Scream movie, twenty twenty two, the one that came out. What was that? January or February of this year. Um, yeah. What did you think about Scream, Chris? Before I give my reaction, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I didn't love the. Uh the main actress, I don't have her name in front of me. I thought she was really kind of weak, especially because the actress who plays her sister, who is Jenna Ortega is so much better. And I was mm. like, boy, I wish this, this actress were the lead. Cause she's much better. But uh, you know, I I'm, I'm a big fan of the original series and it was fun to have, uh, you know, that, that world back. Although I did feel like the legacy characters were sort of like, shoehorned in like we got to give them something to do but yeah. i'm 
I, you know, it's always fun to, to, you know, to see Nev Campbell again, but Nev Campbell and more things. I'm always happy to see her. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it as well. I, I really enjoyed uh, Ready or Not, which is the previous movie directed by, um, you know, these guys uh, who go by the name Radio Silence and they directed this film. And um, I, yeah, I just kind of found myself going like, oh, okay, that's what this movie is. I mean, it had a couple of great moments. I was actually, I watched this movie on a plane and there were, I think, three jump scare moments where I was sitting on the plane and I like jumped out of my seat like an idiot and probably (laughs) terrified the person who was sitting right next to me. Um, That moment, I don't want to like give anything super detailed away, but there's a moment where uh, a character is like running up to their front door and uh, Ghostface like jumps out from behind a bush, <laughs> and I was like completely uh, taken aback by that moment. It really got me in like the best kind of way. So um, you know, it, it's it's not without its pleasures. Like you said, there were you know it was nice to see the the um, original legacy cast again, but I did kind of feel like okay, well this uh, this sort of um, it, it felt like the the franchise had kind of run out of steam a little bit to me. So, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, I see what you're saying with, uh, Melissa Barrera, I think is the actress who, yeah. who led the thing. And like, I know that they're already making a new screen movie or they announced one, right. A sequel to mm-hmm. this, um, again, without spoiling too much in case people still haven't had a chance to see this yet. I just don't know if I want that now, like with the, the way that the playing field has been leveled and sort of like the pieces on the chessboard as they are at the end of this movie. I'm just not really sure that I, want yeah, like I don't, movie. I don't know where I, like, I kind of hope they have, I guess they're not going to, but I, I kind of just want new characters at this point. Like I don't, I don't really care about any of the characters from the last movie. Like, I don't need them to come back. Like, uh, like maybe Jenna Ortega's character. They brought her back. I'd be like, okay, but the the rest of them, like, I don't, I don't need any of these characters. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I also watched Halloween Kills. I was catching up on some some horror movies that I missed recently, and Halloween Kills I think came out last year. Um, do I remember correctly, Chris, that you were like uh, one of the defenders of this movie? Am I remembering that right? I'm sort of a defender. I do think it has really dreadful dialogue, just a really lousy script, but I didn't hate it as much as like everyone else seemed to hate it. Mm. I, I kind of liked it as you know this middle entry in in a trilogy, but it's it's definitely a step down from the the previous movie, the 2017 Halloween, which I really liked. Yeah, I um, so uh, you know we were when we were doing our big uh, end of the year um, like best movie moments of 2021 podcast episode. You guys just kept uh, riding hard for this like evil dies tonight uh, yeah. moment, this like motif that was going throughout this movie. And I uh, you know I appreciated it. I thought it was funny, but I didn't really get it until I watched this movie and realized like just how truly ridiculous it is. Yeah. All these characters just like suddenly begin to break out into this chant, and like several different characters say. <laughs> at different times throughout the movie so i was very entertained by that um but yeah like story-wise this kind of felt to me like like they were scrambling to justify the existence of a middle movie it kind of felt like one act of a film that was um you know almost like a hobbit movie or something like just stretched out a little bit too thin so uh I, i couldn't really get over that um and and like the the uh what they do with with michael myers and with like judy greer's character at the end um where it just sort of like they they almost turn him into like a um some sort of like inhuman force or something like you know the 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 franchise is so bizarre with its uh 
sort of like what would you call it? like labyrinthine mythology and all that but i thought the the 2017 2018 whatever that was that halloween movie did a good job of like okay we're gonna skip we're just gonna like clear the table and and skip the ones that we don't want to deal with and make this just sort of as clean as possible so taking that mythology into account michael myers just seems like a normal human man right but then at, yeah. by the end of this movie um he he is like turned into more of an idea than a person which is like interesting but i don't know if it really worked what did you read what would what, you make yeah i don't i don't know where they're going with that because yeah like you said the 2017 movie did a really good job of being like all the the crazy mythology didn't happen and this is more realistic and down to earth and then in in halloween kills he like <laughs> he gets like shot in the head and beaten <laughs> by like a million people and he's like fine and i was just like i don't understand what's happening now like is he supernatural because you know they they sort of hinted at him being supernatural in the original run but Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very i'm just curious i guess i'm just curious to see where they go with the third film i guess because i i thought i had an idea after that first movie but now i'm just like i don't know what they're doing now i don't know i'm just curious to see where they go yeah, I was bummed out too that Jamie Lee Curtis spends like the entire movie just in a hospital and like I know. It's like why like it's 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 a weird like I you know, like I said, I didn't hate it as much as other people, but like this whole thing was being sold on Jamie Lee Curtis is back and then like the entire second movie she's just like in bed and <laughs> she like gets out of bed at the end. It's like Jesus Christ, like really? Like they yeah, it's- give her more uh. It's like her and Will Patton like are are just like hanging out talking in a hospital room and like the Will Patton flashbacks to when he was a young, I don't know, like a rookie cop or something yeah. like back in the 70s when the original uh, Michael Myers murders were taking place. It was kind of like, ah, I see what you're going for here. But all of this just feels a little desperate to me, like a little, uh, yeah. a little stretchy, I guess. But, um, you know, it again, it has its moments. It's not like completely without merit in my view, but um but, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure uh, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm curious now because I, I sort of avoided all of the coverage of it at the time. So I wasn't even sure that it was like uh, a really divisive movie. So I'm curious now to like try to dig into some of the the, uh, you know, reviews and like uh, writing about it that came out around the time. So, yeah. Um, all right. I also watched Dr. Zhivago uh, for the first time, which I'm not going to talk about too much. It's a movie like this big epic romance directed by David Lean. Uh, it was on HBO Max when I watched it. I think it's still there now. Uh, oh, that's where I watched Halloween Kills, by the way. It's on HBO Max. Um, and uh, I'll just say that I, I avoided Dr. Zhivago for a long time because this movie is like over three hours long and it kind of felt like a homework movie to me. And uh to be completely frank, the, the reason that I watched it is because we wrote a um, one of our writers wrote a an article about it on the site, and like I don't think any of us really on the the editing side of things had seen the movie, or or at least not in a long time. So I was like, ah, it's been on my list of things to see. I'll just watch it, and then I'll be able to sort of like put fresh eyes on this article and make sure that everything's legit. Um, and uh, so you know, it, it like gave me the excuse to finally watch this movie. And um, it was pretty good. I, I was surprised at, at how much I enjoyed it and how much like not like homework it felt. So, uh, you know, f- uh, it, it is long. Definitely. There's no getting around that. But um, there's some really good stuff in here. So I, I would recommend it if you're a fan of like, you know, epic sweeping sort of um, I don't know if the romance is necessarily like the key thing, because it's kind of about <laughs> this guy being a piece of shit and like almost abandoning his his uh, wife and family, his wife and, and children. Um in, in favor of like this 
what he perceives to be his like long lost love, this other woman entirely. So it's really like about this guy who's cheating on his wife. Um, but, uh, but so yeah, like it's not exactly like the most swooning thing that you'll see, but um, the filmmaking is really, really strong. And um, there's some really cool like motifs and, and uh, themes that play out here. And Alec Guinness has a small role in it. So it's always nice to see him uh, outside of a star Wars context. So uh, yeah, Dr. Zhivago, check that out if you're interested. Um, Maybe something that you might actually swoon over a little bit more is Starstruck uh, Season 2. HC and I have talked about this a bunch. Um, this show is on HBO Max. It's like a, uh, I believe it's set in London, um, a British-made uh, rom-com series. Um, Rose Matafeo is the creator and star of it. And uh, I liked Season 2. It's not quite as... Um, hooky i guess as season one uh it's more about like the aftermath of a relationship or the aftermath of a first stage of relationship you know what happens right after that that sort of like ooey gooey period of like uh falling hard for each other and like this season is more about um getting into like the nitty-gritty of like what it's like to actually settle into a life with a partner and um so it's not quite as um I don't know, like sexy and fun and like uh, flirtatious as the first season, which is all those things I loved about season one so much. Um, but it's just really nice to be back with these characters. The the whole uh, supporting cast is just great. And there's some killer, like super funny lines from like, you know, the f- seventh build person in the act in the, in the episode, um, who's just like a really uh, tertiary character. They really make the most with what they have with their screen time there. And um the two leads are are great and like super charismatic and charming and it's just fun to be back in that world and also the show is only 30 minutes long which is a big um you know a, a big uh, reason to to celebrate these days when everything seems to to drag on forever so have you checked out any of starstruck yet chris no i have not seen this does it sound like something that you're interested in or is it just like not up your alley at all no it just does not sound like it's you know who ugh, romance no thank you <laughs> gross no i i don't have a problem with with romance things it just i don't know it's just something about it doesn't really maybe it's because they're it's about like young people right i don't have time for young yeah they're people. like in their i guess m- mid-20s or something i think is Listen, what they're supposed ben, to do so. when you get to be my age anyone like <laughs> below 30 is like a child like i don't i have no t- i have no time for mid-20s <laughs> I think you're only like two years older than me, Chris. So it's I'm, not going to take long for me. To- <laughs> I'm old at heart. So, uh, okay. I also watched the movie for the first time that I'd never seen before. And I had actually had no idea that this director directed this movie. It's called Peggy Sue got married and Francis Ford Coppola directed this. Have you ever seen this movie, Chris? I have seen it actually. Yeah. It was very, it's got like a young Jim Carrey and it a young does. Nicolas Cage in it. it yeah. does. I was very surprised to see that. Uh, Kathleen Turner stars in this movie. Uh, it came out in 1986 and it's kind of, it's about this woman who, finds herself like transported back to her senior year of high school in 1960. And she is, uh, it begins when she goes to her like 25 year high school reunion. She's married to Nicholas Cage's character who is like, um, kind of like a, uh, a bad person. I mean, their marriage is like falling apart. He's like the, the local, uh, like he's a TV, piece of shit. Basically. Yeah. Like yeah. local TV guy. Like he's on uh, local commercials selling, I don't remember what it is, cars or something, um, or maybe like refrigerators or whatever. Uh, but then she, uh, at this 25 year reunion, um, basically like, uh, faints and comes to in the body of her younger self. I mean, it's still Kathleen Turner playing, uh, this, this same version of the character. So it's kind of like back to the future ish where like 
this person goes back to their it's it's their own high school experience instead of their parents but they get to like relive aspects of their life over again and like there was this really touching moment where she encounters her grandmother uh, again and like you know you get it's never explicitly said but um she the Kathleen Turner character is old enough that like in the normal timeline her grandmother would have been long dead um and she you know through whatever bizarre supernatural occurrence is able to go back in time and, and sort of relive this moment and have this experience of like reuniting with a, a loved one who died like that that kind of the um the ideas that are in this movie are are really kind of powerful and interesting in some ways uh but it's also like a really just a goofy kind of movie about this woman saying like you know what i don't want to end up with this piece of shit husband that i had so instead i'm gonna uh you know just like go hang out with like the brooding cool guy in the corner who like reads poetry and rides a motorcycle and um (laughs) you know uh just like have these experiences that she never got to have uh sort of growing up in like the the uh, with the the pressures of society coming at her from all angles, so it's a really interesting movie. I, I would think that um, I don't know for some reason I just never got around to seeing this. I never really hear people talking about this movie. I feel like it should be spoken about in the same breath as uh, in the same breath as Back to the Future. Not in terms of overall quality, because Back to the Future is just like such a tightly uh, composed piece of storytelling. This like perfect gem of a story but like the themes and like the uh, milieu and and all of that kind of stuff are very very similar and for a movie that came out only a few months after back to the future came out these movies were in theaters at the same time um it's just weird that i've never really heard that comparison before maybe people are making it in corners of the internet that i don't go to but i just wanted to put this movie on people's radar in case they'd never heard of it it's, it's definitely um, an interesting watch looking at it through that lens so it's called peggy sue got married uh, and then let's see what else. Uh, oh, City Lights. Have you ever seen Charlie Chaplin's City Lights, Chris? Yes, I have. Okay, so I watched this for the first time uh, yesterday morning on the uh, Criterion Collection, or, or I'm sorry, the Criterion Channel. I always mix those two things up. Uh, this is really good. I mean, I, I don't really know what is a hot take. Nineteen. This movie from 1931 is directed by Charlie Chaplin, written, produced, starring, and and uh, with editing and i think he did the editing i think he composed the music for this as well um hey a charlie chaplin movie is great uh, surprise surprise but um virginia cheryl plays this blind woman that he falls in love with i thought she was great in this as well um yeah it's just like if you're looking f- to um expand your uh i don't know cinematic um tastes and and sort of dip into silent features uh this is a, a really good place to start it's a it's a very like um breezy i don't know like hour and a half movie um, that does not feel like it outstays its welcome or anything. And uh, there's a lot of like goofy antics and, and uh, yeah, just the kind of like classic. Um, this is, this is what I think of. It's sort of like the, the um, platonic ideal or whatever of, of like a, a classic uh, silent film. So wh- where does this sit in your, like um, I guess mindset of like where uh, of these silent movies, Chris, have you like, have you seen every Charlie Chaplin movie or is this like one of a few that you've checked out? Like, what do you think? Now, you know, I, I wish I had, I've seen more Charlie Chaplin movies. I, I need to really, it's like, I don't want to call it a blind spot because I have seen some, but uh, I, I, I always tell myself like one day I should just, cause they're all like, you know, an hour long. So I could, probably, <laughs> if that, but so yeah, I, I wait, but like I, I've seen this and I've seen like the kid, which is another one he made. Like I've seen the ones that are like, big and i i wish i had seen more and 
one day I will, you know, just uh, finally have time to sit down and watch all this stuff. Yeah, The Great Dictator is another one that's on yeah, my list. Yeah, that one I've definitely seen, and that, okay. that, that's that's a wonderful movie. I think that's the next one that I'm going to watch of his. Um, okay, and then the last thing that I wanted to talk about is I, I caught up with the first two episodes of Barry, um, which is back for its third season on HBO. Uh, Chris, did you write the review for Barry? For- I did. I've seen um, the first six episodes. Okay. Uh, I'll six tell you of- exactly what happened. No, <laughs> six out of only eight episodes in the season, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, just real quick. I, uh, I really like the show a lot. I mean, it's, it's so tense and like my wife and I were kind of dreading is the wrong word, but like, it's such a specific, um, uh, tone that the show has. And it, uh, with the events of what happened at the end of season two, which I know that some people will not remember very well because that was like three years ago or something when it happened. Yeah. Um, but just the uh, the way that this show ratchets up tension and and sort of um, creates a a headspace for these characters and like uh, puts them at odds with each other and creates just this like I feel so um, conflicted when I watch it because. Uh, I want to like certain characters and they do terrible things. And then other characters, oh man, it's just, it's so well um, orchestrated. And and Bill Hader is just like a hell of a filmmaker. Like I oh never would have expected this from him because he was like the goofy SNL guy or whatever. But like uh, you just watch him direct these episodes. He, he doesn't direct every single one, but he directs, has directed several over the course of uh, these, what, two plus seasons so far. And just the, epi- the the control that he has and like the um, the vision that he has of like literally just composing shots that that tell stories and um, and enhance what is going on, like the underlying themes and everything. It's just so it just feels like a, a master at work, which is a weird thing to say about a guy who I don't think had directed anything before directing this show. Um, but he's just so great, you know, on the, the performance side of things and behind the camera as well. So if you're not watching Barry, it's a little bit of a tough sit in terms of like some of the, the, um, feelings it will make you feel about like the, uh, the bleakness of humanity or whatever, but it's also really, really funny. And, um, and also just like, uh, yeah, like grim and, and, um, intriguing and compelling and, uh, man, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a very complex swirl of things that I feel when I watch the show. But what did you think about season three, Chris? Yeah, I uh, pretty much everything you said, I I agree with. Um, It's, it's such a weird show because like you said, it's, it's a really funny show, but it's, it's like unrelentingly dark, especially Mm -hmm. this season is like the darkest it's ever been. And I don't know how they balance that tone so well, but they do such a good job of making it both like, really funny and really like dreadful in the sense that like every scene you're just like on edge because it's like jesus christ what (laughs) what horrible thing is going to happen now but it's somehow really goddamn funny and uh to to echo the bill Hader comments um uh especially after this season i really want him to like direct a movie now because i feel like he would like knock it out of the park because he's just got this really interesting style that's uh, yeah, like you said, I would never expect from him. And it's just like, God damn, this guy is it's almost like unfair that he's so good at all these things that like, because <laughs> he's like does so much on the show. He writes it, he stars in it, he directs it. And he's, he's great in, at, in like all three roles. It's like, that doesn't seem fair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
man, I'm, I'm very, I'm jealous of you that you've seen more of the show that I have. And I'm, I'm really curious to see where this goes. Um, okay. What have you been watching, Chris? You've been watching a few movies, right? Yeah. So, uh, I saw men, which is the new Alex Garland movie from a 24. It's a horror movie that has Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. Uh, and, um, this was good. Uh, I don't want to give away too much. Um, because, it's one of those movies where the less you know, the better it is. But Jesse Buckley is this woman. She goes on a holiday. She rents this sort of like English country manor and in this small town and a series of bad things ha- keep happening to her. And Rory Kinnear plays multiple characters. Basically every man she encounters in this town is played by Rory Kinnear in like a different, you know, get up, like a different wig or a fake nose. And uh, the movie does this really interesting thing where you can't really tell if she notices this is all the same guy. Like she sort of gives these different guys curious glances, but she's never like, you look exactly like that last guy, man. Like she never just comes out and says it. And it's just a very strange, uh, creepy, somewhat funny movie and uh i whenever people say something like this it sounds like kind of snobby like <laughs> i'm above it all but i'm really curious to see how normal audiences react to this because it has this sort of bonkers conclusion that just completely goes off the rails and i i completely i i entirely expect like normal people like casual moviegoers just who are like oh let's go see a horror movie and they have no idea what they're getting into are gonna be like what the hell am i watching <laughs> but i i really liked it i um i think i like annihilation which is alex garland's previous movie uh more than this i mean i know i like it more than this i really like and i like ex machina more than this but this is this is damn good i, I really like what alex garland does he's he's not afraid to to challenge his audiences so you mentioned that Rory Kinnear plays multiple roles. I I don't think I've seen any of the trailers for this movie. I think I saw the first like few seconds of the teaser or something, and I was like, "Oh, this is a new Alex Garland movie. I'm in. I don't even I don't even need to watch this." But I am curious, and maybe our listeners uh, might have thought the same thing. When you were mentioning that that Rory Kinnear plays multiple roles, the first thing that came to mind was um, Anomalisa, which was this stop motion yes. movie from a few years ago that um, David Thewlis uh, plays the voice of like a main the main, I guess, male character in the movie. And then like every other man in the film is voiced by some other actor, uh, Tom, Tom Noonan. Noonan. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, had that, yeah, yeah. I had the same thought as I was watching this. I was like, man, this reminds me of Anonymous. It's not, it's obviously not similar in terms of how it unfolds, but yeah, I had that same thought while watching this. So, so it's, it's, um, is it Rory Kinnear's voice coming out of other characters' bodies, or is he physically embodying every? It's man physically him. See? Like, okay, he, just, okay. he just like puts on different. You know, he has like different hairstyles and huh, you know, like interesting. A, a fake nose and stuff like that. Yeah, weird. Rory Kinnear, what a choice for that. Like, he, I, I think of him as like the guy who plays. Um, uh, what is his name? Uh, the Tanner. Bond. Yeah, yeah, Tanner in the he's Bond a, movies. Yeah. But he's really good. Like this is the best I've 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 ever seen him just playing all these different roles, and he does this does such a great job of making like every single one like memorable and creepy. Uh, at one point, there's like a child character where it's they sort of like deep fake it where like they put his <laughs> head on a child's body and it's like so weird and unsettling. Yeah. It's, it's really Is it cool. like the, uh, the Adam Sandler joke from uh, funny people where it, almost, it sort of looks like that, but like not a baby. It's like a, a, a <laughs> like a, a teenager or something younger, like a 12 year old. 
Oh man, uh, I'm also looking at um, at Rory Kinnear's uh, IMDb right now, and and I forgot that he plays like one of the the um, sort of I guess uh, antagonists in um, Our Flag Means Death, which I really liked a lot. Have you seen that show by any chance? The pirate. Uh, I watched. I watched the first two episodes and I was like, I'm not really interested in this. And then everyone was like, oh, it turns into something completely different after that. And I was like, oh, it really does. So, yeah, I got to go back and finish it (laughs) because I didn't I didn't like love the first two episodes. But yeah, everything I've heard has made me want to uh, go back and and finish it. So, yeah, Taika Taika Waititi's uh, Blackbeard like has a a much more central role as the show goes on. And he and and. uh, the, uh, Reese Darby, I think, who plays Steve Bonnet in the show, yeah. their their relationship is just so so good. So I think you would really enjoy that. Um, yeah. All right, what else have you been watching, Chris? Uh, last night I saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, which is of course the new Marvel movie, and it's the Doctor Strange sequel. And uh, most important of all, it is a new film from Sam Raimi, and, and it's the first feature he's directed since. Uh, odds the what is it great and the powerful yeah, whatever the hell that yeah. movie was so it's been a long time so uh i'm i'm not anti-marvel i'm just not as like ah oh, i don't love marvel as much as like seemingly everyone else on the staff uh i'm indifferent to dr strange but i was excited for a new sam raimi movie because you know i love sam raimi um and I, I'm sorry to say I really did not like this that much. Um, I seem to be in the minority here. Uh, HT wrote the review for our site. She gave it a good review. Uh, um, our own Brad Omen uh, really liked it. So uh, I, I seem to be, you know, not uh, in the majority here. But I, I did not love this. Um, uh, it had, you know, every now and then Sam Raimi gets to sort of unleash his signature style, but he just can't overcome that that you know that marvel machine and mm-hmm. this really feels like i don't know i'm just, i think when i'm really tired now at this point and and i know this is like a feature not a bug but and but it just it bugs me when there are marvel movies that feel like they can't stand on their own like in my mind the best movies in the mcu are the movies you can just watch on their own and you don't need uh to connect them to other things and this completely lives or dies by pretty much a, a bunch of other titles. Like if mm. you hadn't, if you hadn't seen them, you would be like, what is going on here? At the same time, it also sort of like totally torpedoes any growth that was made in WandaVision, which is just like really goddamn weird because that was such a big deal. And so many people seem to like WandaVision. And even though uh, Wanda is, is a main character here, it sort of feels like you, WandaVision didn't even have to happen at all. It's like, mm. it's very strange. And uh, America Chavez is in this. She's a character. Um, she's treated like a MacGuffin. Like she never once feels like a real person. Mm. She just gets like passed around from character to character. Uh, Dr. Strange feels like a supporting player in the, in his own movie. It's just, I don't know. I, I just sat there the whole time. Just like, man, this is, not what I wanted. Uh, you know, it does, like I said, it does have a, like a few Raimi esque moments, especially in the, in the finale, he gets to sort of go a little crazy with, with horror movie stuff. But it, it was like, by then it was like too little too late. Mm. And by the time it ended, I was just like, man, I don't <laughs> like, I, I'd be fine never watching this again, which is not something I say often about a Sam Raimi film. Like I, I want to revisit most of his movies yeah. more than once, but this, I was like, if I, never see that again it's fine you know i don't care that much so yeah 
Well, that's unfortunate. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, Chris. Uh, I guess for people who maybe want to do uh, a little last minute catch up of uh, Raimi's filmography before they see Doctor Strange when it comes out later this week, is there one or maybe two movies from his filmography that jump out to you as like things that people should absolutely put on their list of things to see? You mean in general or how it relates to? Well, this? I guess I guess I was thinking broadly speaking, just as like, um, you know, if you want to, here's an introduction to the guy that uh, that directs this movie. I Maybe mean, beyond like Evil Dead, because we let's just assume that everybody's seen that already. And, and, like, and let's of course assume, the the Spider Man yeah. trilogy. And yeah. Stuff. So yeah, not counting Evil Dead and the Spider Man trilogy, which I feel like everyone knows. Um, you should definitely seek out Dark Man, which is just wonderful. Like that was his first real comic booky movie before he made spider-man um that's just uh, just kicks ass dark man rules um uh <laughs> the quick and the dead which is his western and it's like insanely over the top and i i love it and it's got this really stacked cast before they were really famous like leonardo dicaprio is in it and russell crowe and uh gene hackman obviously this was after gene hackman was famous but um uh, just got a crazy cast uh um a simple plan which is like his most uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Subtle movie, I guess. He like, he doesn't usually do his he doesn't do his his crazy crash zooms and his mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But Simple Plan is a wonderful movie. Uh, the Gift, another sort of underrated movie of his. Uh, I I love The Gift. Uh, really, just seek out pretty much his entire filmography. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's, like it. It's just so good. Even like the that baseball movie he made, which for love of the game, which is not great. It still has. Have you seen that? I have not. No. So he does this really cool thing in that movie. Like the movie itself is like whatever, but the majority of the movie is set during a baseball game uh, where Kevin Costner's character is, is pitching and he's pitching a perfect game where, you know, no one is getting hit off him. And through the whole movie, he keeps flashing back to his life and you know, that's whatever. But uh, Sam Raimi does this really cool thing where um, John C. Riley plays the catcher on, on the team. And even though, Kevin Costner is, uh, you know, on the pitcher's mound and John C. Riley is behind home plate as the catcher. Uh, Sam Raimi does this thing where he has them able to talk to each other and they can hear each other above like the crowd. And obviously <laughs> that's, that's not realistic, but it's meant to symbolize how, you know, the catcher and, and the pitcher are in communication with hand signals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and like, so even like a movie that's sort of mediocre like that, he still is able to inject neat little ideas like that into it. So uh, huh. I, I just, you know, he's such a really wonderful inventive filmmaker, which is kind of why this bummed me out so much because you can see, you know, him lurking beneath all the, the Marvel bullshit. And it's like, if they would just <laughs> let him, they would just let him do his thing. It would, it would, it would probably pay off better, but uh, yeah. So uh, I, I was looking at his um, his directorial career, and as you mentioned, he has not directed a movie since 2013 with Oz the Great and Powerful. But he has directed um, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. He directed one episode of that, and you know, being as, as sort of like a, tapped into the horror landscape as you are, I'm curious if you watched that any of that show at all. I did. I watched the first two seasons. I didn't love it. I'm I'm sorry to say. I know it has its fans. I just. I was sort of like, mm, it, it, it felt like it couldn't sustain itself for me, but, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I d- definitely did not watch any of that. I was just curious if it was like maybe worth people's time if they, cause that was like 2015, I think when that came out, it was like yeah. right around the time that like 
Um, I don't know. I feel like that was around the time that the peak TV situations uh, began to sort of bubble up where there started to be like, uh, this is maybe a little bit too much. And now, of course, it's like way beyond that. And like, yes. we, yeah. we uh, you know, we had no idea what we had when we had it kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. um, but, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people may have just like skip that. It was also on stars, if I remember correctly, which like who had stars? In the <laughs> exactly. Oh. Nobody, nobody uh, had stars. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like that's maybe worth skipping then for, or at least for, for some people, unless you're like a Raimi completist, but um, yeah. okay. What was the last thing that you watched, Chris? So finally I watched Walker and not to be confused with the, uh, the Walker, Texas Ranger reboot, which is on TV right now. Oh, I that's what I thought this was. <laughs> and I think it, that's in, it's like 30th season somehow, but that's not what this is. <laughs> So Walker is a film from 1987 directed by Alex Cox, who directed uh, Repo Man. And this is basically the, the movie that ruined Alex Cox's Hollywood career. And it's, I, uh, I had never seen this before. And um, it was on the Criterion Collection in DVD form. And they just put it on Blu-ray. So I got the Blu-ray. And uh when I watched it, you know, I don't know how often this happens to you, but every one now and then I'll watch a new movie and I'll be like, oh, this is like going to be one of my new favorite movies. And that's what this was, because mm. this completely blew me away. This is based on a true story of this guy named William Walker, who in the 1850s sort of just stormed into Nicaragua with his own militia and declared himself president. What? Uh, yes. It's <laughs> and so the whole movie is, you know, this dark, dark satire of colonialism and uh, manifest destiny and, you know, just Americans and, you know, American white people who think they own everything basically. And Ed Harris plays uh Walker and he's, he's leads this, this ragtag band of men who are just like constantly like fighting and raping women and breaking stuff. Like basically wherever they go, they just destroy everything. But through it all, Walker, Ed, a.k.a. Ed Harris, has this really dry narration where he's like, we were welcomed as liberators. But then it shows like everyone just like fleeing in terror and like <laughs> villages being set on fire. And it's just so dark and funny and chaotic. And I don't know. I was just watching it. It like blew me away. And it was like, holy shit. I can't believe it took me this long to see this because, you know, I had known about it for so long. And I just never got around to seeing it until now. So th this has uh, a new Criterion Blu-ray. I really recommend this because it's just, it's just, it's not like anything you've ever seen. It's, it's actually like one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, I can't believe this was like a Hollywood movie because this came out uh, in the midst of our Iran-Contra and, you know, the Reagan administration. And during the end credits, uh, there's actually like footage of Ronald Reagan, like delivering state, the state of the union intercut with like the chaos of the movie. And it's like, wow. it's, it's crazy that a Hollywood movie cause like, obviously a lot of people now, all, we all know Ronald Reagan sucks, right? Ronald Reagan, piece of shit. <laughs> but Ronald Reagan in the eighties was a, he, you know, he won by election landslides. People loved them. Some Ronald Reagan. And the fact that there was this Hollywood movie that came out and it was like, Ronald Reagan sucks. It's like, wow, I, I can't believe this even exists. And you, when you watch it, you, you're like, I understand why this ruined Alex Cox's Hollywood career, but it's amazing that, you know, he got to make it. So Walker, great movie. 
Man, I'm looking at his filmography right now and just realizing that I've never seen a single Alex Cox movie. I've never seen Repo Man. That's like the big one. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, you were not joking when you said this sort of killed his career because like pretty much everything since like 1990 has either been like music videos or movies that have like zero cultural footprints. So uh, have you seen any of his sort of like later stage movies at all? Or is Repo Man like the big one? The only other thing I've seen is Repo Man. And I I liked Walker more than Repo Man. Wow. Okay. Repo Man is one of those movies like I had heard about. Oh, actually I've seen Sid and Nancy. I've seen that too. So I've seen two of his movies, Repo Man and Sid and Nancy or three and Walker. And out of all three of the ones I've seen, I, I, I like Walker the best. Walker is the one that, I, I will like definitely revisit over and over again. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, it's on Blu-ray right now. Is that right? Yeah, it's on. it just came out from the Criterion Collection. Excellent. All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of the show. You can find more about all of the titles that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.